welcome this morning. We're, we are glad that you chose to come and to worship with us this morning. Uh, we're really excited to, to be together this morning. We are uh, going to look into uh, another of the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness today, which is something uh, certainly our world is in deep and desperate need of. So uh, we will get started here this morning as we continue on where we've been uh, talking about the fruit of the Spirit, and we've been going through uh, these different aspects, these different flavors, if you will, of the fruit of the Spirit, right? And, and today, this message is called Radical Kindness. Uh, we've, we've, we've looked, and we've seen kind of how these fruits, this fruit, uh, the flavors of the fruit here kind of proceed from the previous in some degrees. That It, it all starts in love. Love is the first thing, right? And, and, and so we understand love because God first loved us. And when we look at the type of love that God has loved us with, we understand really what love truly is, that it's sacrificial, that it's, it, it's something that is spent on, on, on the best interest of the one who is loved. And so because we've understood and known God's love and we've understood the cross, then we can have the second flavor, which is joy, that idea of joy, that, that it can't be taken from us because we have a hope that's not set here, but a hope that transcends the temporal in this place, a hope that can never be robbed from us or taken from us, a one in which the promises are greater than any struggle that we could ever face on this earth, we can live in joy, right? Amen. <clears throat> so we've got love, joy, and then we've got peace. And the Bible talks about these things, and it talks about peace. Remember, when we talked about peace, we talked about that it's not a tranquil state, that the Bible relates peace to a river, that it is something that is flowing through life, and it's, it's never static. It's always going, and life is always happening. And even when we face great tragedy and great struggles in our lives, we can experience a peace that the Bible says transcends all understanding. That, that by all outward appearances of our lives, by, by all of the struggles of our lives, it would seem that there would be no way that we could be living in peace, but yet we can have this peace. So we got love, uh, love, joy, peace. We talked about patience last week, that we are going to need to be an enduring people, that we are going to need to press on, and we're going to need to be a people who wait for God until dot, 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 till God shows up. To, to continue to press in, to remember that, that God is calling us to persistently ask and pray and press in and believe on him, and that's going to take a lot of patience. Now, it's pretty hard to be kind if you have no patience, right? So we need patience. We really do need patience. And like we talked last week, we tend to have patience be that thing where people say, don't pray for patience, don't do it, you know, because God is just going to be like, well, I was just waiting for you to pray for patience. Now, you know, take that and see what you do with that. No, no, we need patience, right? Patience is something that we need, and we need to be asking prayerfully for patience. And if we're going to be kind, like we're going to talk about today, honestly, we got to be patient. So, um, so kindness, what is kindness? It's, it, 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 it's kind of this idea that, that the word itself, kind, the noun, it, it, it's to be of a, a good or a benevolent nature kind of a thing. To just be a good-natured kind of a person, benevolent, well, caring about others and, and the well-being of others. The, 
The, the verb in that would mean acts of benevolence or kindness in, in, that, in that way. And, and, and there's really, you know, there's, there's, there are a lot of questions about kindness. It's like, can you be competitive and be kind, right? Well, sometimes the world would say no, or many times the world, you know, uh, would, would put that on. But I, I would hold it as not the truth by any means. You can be, uh, you can be a fierce competitor, and still be a kind person in the midst of that, right? And being, being kind doesn't mean that you, you, you would never compete. It means that you just, you, your desire isn't to harm or to hurt uh, somebody. You know, I, I think of people like Tim Tebow, right? Who Tim Tebow is a fierce competitor, man. I mean, you know, regardless of what anybody thinks about him as an NFL quarterback, the guy won the Heisman Trophy as a college football player. He's a fierce competitor and probably one of the kindest guys that you could ever want to hope to meet, you know? So, so can, we, can we compete and be kind? Sure we can. Um, and, and can you be strong and kind? Because a lot of times when we start thinking about kindness, we start thinking about that, that, that it's something the world would tell us that this is some kind of a weakness, really, that, that really it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, right? And so to be kind is just to have milk bone underwear on, and, and, and you're going to get what you get when you do that, right? And so no. This kindness, it's a strength, right? There's a real strength in kindness. And it's a strength that the world really needs to see God's people practicing. Kindness really requires a deep strength. Most of what we tend to call kindness or think about kindness in the world is a passive kindness, though. It's just passive. It doesn't really stand for much. It doesn't really have a strength to it. It tends to just tolerate everything, and it's just kind of kind. And so we say, well, that person, they're so kind. They're always kind. But I'm going to say that God's kindness is not a passive kindness. It is an active kindness. And, and kindness in itself can be kind of a relative kind of a thing, right? In, in, in other words, think about this. If a three-year-old was running past me right now, and I, I had my, I've got my hands in my pocket, and I just look up, and the three-year-old runs past me, and so I kick them over, right, and knock them down and skin their knees up, okay? Is that kind? What if there was a truck coming right here that they never saw? Now is it kind? It would be kind at that point, right? It would be all I could do, and their parents would actually thank me for doing it, right? Now, the three-year-old would always have the same response to it, right? Three-year-old would be ticked that I had kicked him over, right? But you see, we're like three-year-olds a lot of times. When it comes to God's kindness and how we see that, we're a three-year-old with our knees all skinned up. We're just mad because our knees are skinned up, but many times we have no clue what it was that we got saved from. We have no idea of the kindness of God that is interjected into lives, our lives at different times. And maybe some of the results or what came our way weren't exactly what we were hoping for or what we would like to have had. But again, we've got to understand that God is kind. God isn't trying to be kind. He isn't like us who's trying. We're trying to be kind. We're people, I'm trying, be, I'm trying to be nice here. God isn't like that. God just is kind. He just is kind. It's a part of his nature. It's a part of his character. It's not something that needs to be developed. It's not something that's changing. It's not like we are where we're trying to be kind in the middle of this world. God is kind. So we hold on to that, and we understand that just like peace and just like patience and just like some of these th things, this idea of kindness is something that is at work in the midst of a broken and a fallen world. And so therefore, at times, our perception of it or our, or our ideas of it can kind of change a little bit. Um, the, the word in the Greek is, is Christotis, and it means God's kind goodness. It means his heart and his action towards us. 
Hesed is the Hebrew word that is used, and it means broad or full. Now, I want you to notice again that in, in the Hebrew, it's almost this idea of completion or fullness, almost all of these things that we're talking about. When we talked about shalom, peace, it wasn't just the absence of conflict. Shalom was, was, was a wholeness, a completeness, a balance in our lives between all of the different facets of life and the different things that come our way. And so just like this, this idea of God's kindness is, is, and kindness is a broad, full statement. So let's uh, look at this. Uh, Proverbs 21, 1. Oh, there's a little act of kindness right there. And then Proverbs 21, 1 uh, says, whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness and honor. So I think that in, as, in general, we really want to be kind people, but at times we struggle with that, and nobody's doing that perfect, but we'll, we'll talk about that just a little bit more. God's kindness is not a passive kindness, and, and, and so let's look at this, and, and I want you to really kind of get an idea or get a hold of this, because I really believe that this will transform a lot of things about the way that you see and think about God. I'm going to tell you this, God judges out of his kindness. The judgment of God comes out of his kindness. It comes out of his goodness. And I think a lot of times we can, we can take and we can have just this, this connection between kindness and goodness. And you think, well, that doesn't seem very good. I don't know if I like that. Okay, I get that. But God is always good. Always. Therefore, when God brings judgment in a, in a situation or a scenario, it's out of his goodness that he does it. In other words, it wouldn't be good for God to not judge some things that are bad. It wouldn't be good for God to allow the world to just continue to devolve into a more and more and more and more wicked and evil place. It wouldn't be good for him just to allow that to sit back and never intercede and never bring judgment or change into those scenarios. See, that's the reality of our lives. I don't know about your life, but what, what, uh, the thing about uh, the Bible tells us is that God, he, he disciplines those that he loves. So if you're a parent here today and, and you, you understand the reality of that you have to discipline your children, when you see at times behavior in them that you know will not benefit them in their life that is going to begin to cause problems and a struggle than being a good parent, looks like putting a, a stop to that. It looks like disciplining your child so that they don't go down that route. And again, the reality of, of being a parent is that if you think that you, it's just a straight shot, I'm going to tell you you're not a parent because no parent has ever, <laughs> there's no straight shot in this thing. It's, it's this. It's, oh, you know, now they're off over here and back over here. And, and, and it's this idea of constantly bringing back into alignment. This is the reality of our lives and how God is with us. And there are times in our lives where God allows difficult things to come into our lives, not because he's mean, not because he just wants to grind your nose down in it because you, you, you did the wrong thing. He's bringing it in there because the reality of you and I is that we're that hard-headed at times. It's that difficult for us to turn around and to look up and to, and to want to trust and, and to look at God. And so God is good enough to bring hard things into our lives sometimes. He's good enough not just to allow us 
to just be a pleasure-seeking world that just continues to consume to the nth degree, that never thinks about others, that just is all about us, and it's all about our next vacation, it's all about our next thing, it's all about our next consumption of whatever. He's good enough at times to bring hard things into our society and into our world, or allow them, let me say that, let's say allow them into our world, because for us just to live selfishly the whole of our days wouldn't be good. It's not a good way to, to so, so it's just like anything else. As we start to look at this idea of kindness, we have to understand how God operates within the realm of kindness and start to adjust our thinking and our own actions in kindness. Because let me just say, it's not always kind to just do what people want to do, right? It's not good. We face this all the time as a church. We're faced sometimes with with difficult decisions when it comes to benevolence and helping people. But I can tell you this, I have, our rule is this, we want to help. But it's not always helpful to help. It's not always helpful to help. It's not always good or kind to, to get in the way of what God might be doing in somebody's life. It's not always good to just relieve them of the burden or the struggle that they might be in on that certain day. It's not always a good thing. It doesn't produce good things. Wisdom is vindicated what? By her children, Jesus said. By the results, by what comes down the pike eventually. And so sometimes it's good to allow some hard things. Sometimes it's actually kind to do that. His kindness disciplines those whom he loves. It was his kindness that expelled us from the garden. It was God's kindness that said, no, you can't live in that sinful state forever and ever and ever and ever. And he put a guard up against that so that we could not eat of the tree of life. But then a good God went and made a provision and a way back. He made a way in which we could have that relationship with him, how we could experience eternal life. But he was too kind to say, I'm going to let you keep living forever in a sinful and wicked state. God's kindness is about that. And you see, God is wooing us into his kindness. Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge, those who practice such things and yet do them yourselves? that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the richness of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? It's an interesting verse in there. It's telling us that there is a function to God's kindness. We say this verse a lot. We say, well, it's God's kindness that leads to repentance, and that's the truth. But this whole thing is a contrast us, look, don't think that you can just sit back and judge the world when the reality of your life is that you're falling short too. What that should do, though, is when we understand how good God has been to us, right? That this is a God who, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to get good. He, he, he didn't wait till you got into church and started reading your Bible to reach out, to, to, to come to us. He came seeking us while we were still lost. We love because he first loved us. We we can 
experience these things because of the goodness and the kindness of God, not because of our kindness and goodness, not because we're good, because he's good. See, and it all ends up, points right back to God. See, his kindness is meant to change us. When we recognize the goodness and the kindness of God and we have a relationship to God, you see, that should be something that we say, wow, man, God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. It should make me want to change who I am. It it should make fundamentally my desire to match his heart and his desires that I should become led by his kindness into a place of repentance. And again, repentance... Is, is, is that idea, remember, it's, there's a lot of screaming, yelling. People start screaming and slapping Bibles and spitting all over the place and yelling, repent. But repent means to turn around. It means to switch directions. It means we were going this way, and it literally means your right hand becomes your left hand, your left hand becomes your right hand, and you are now going in a new direction. It means that we started out going away from God, but because we now understand his benevolence, his goodness, his kindness... We are led to change who we are and begin to follow him in this goodness and kindness and allow the Spirit of God, again, this isn't a checklist that we're going through as we do the fruit of the Spirit, we allow the Spirit of God to begin to work in us in a way that it is impossible for us to work apart from him. I'm going to say you can't be God's kind of kindness apart from him. You might be the world's kind of kindness. You might be a kind person or everybody might look at you and say, oh, they're so kind, but you won't be God's kind of kindness. His kindness changes us. So let's not just presume his kindness. Let's not just assume his kindness, but let's allow the kindness of God to so and begin to change us into a kinder people. God, followers of Jesus, allowing his character and his nature to be emulated and worked out in our own lives. Why? So that the world can see the kindness of God. See, God is calling his people to a radical, powerful kindness. And kindness is powerful. Amen? When we see kindness, we recognize kindness, it does something in us. And Christians have got to start learning how to get kind. There's a whole lot of Christians out there right now that aren't, that that their message is not kind. Now we can have a hard message and we can still be kind. Do you see what I'm saying? We must have a because our message is nothing but hard. We don't have an easy message. We don't have an easy gospel. but we can be kind in our message, in our delivery. And this is what we have to do. See, 2 Timothy tells us this, 2 Timothy 2, 23 to 25, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of truth. See, it's God who still is going to grant repentance. It's still God who is at work in the midst of that. But as we do these things, as we approach this, as we are patiently enduring evil in the world around, not matching the anger and the, and the angst 
and the frustration with the world, but meeting those things, meeting the anger, meeting the hatred, and all of those things with kindness, something happens. It's a game changer. It changes people. It, catches, it, it pushes them back on their heels because remember, everything about Christianity is this idea that God is confounding the wisdom of the wise. What would seem to make sense to the world is backwards and doesn't make sense in Christianity. People say, how can you have peace in that? How can you have joy in the midst of this? How can you be kind when people are hating on you? See, but this is the kind of radical kindness that God is calling us to. It's not the kindness of the world. The world is a, it, it's an exchange. It's a, it's a, you're kind to me, I'm kind back to you. You're not kind to me, now you're going to get to punch me in the nose, I'm punching you back in the nose, right? That's the deal. And so, so, so the world has this different thing. It's God who says here, and it says that our kindness is so important that, that when we're practicing that, that there's some way that, that it causes someone back on their heels and, and God might just grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth, it says. 2 Corinthians 6. Well, wait a minute. This is a turn your cheek be conscripted by a soldier and carry all his gear for two miles instead of one. This is a pray for your enemy. Answer turns away wrath. You see, this is the behavior of God's people. This is the things. Those, are, those things are an affront to someone. When, 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 when someone comes up, and don't, don't get me wrong, this isn't about self-defense. Self-defense is a whole other thing. But what this is about, a slap on the cheek was an insult and when it says when people insult you, don't insult them. Don't, don't, don't repay evil for evil, but repay evil with good. It sets people back on their heels. They don't know what to do with that. We want to emulate Jesus who, in the midst of being subjected to his creation, beaten, a crown of thorns put on his head, nailed to a cross, said, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's, the, it's that kind of kindness that sets the world back on its heels. Oops. Sorry, let me see here. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance. How? In afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger. Aren't you glad you're a Christian? Aren't you glad you came today? Right? How? By purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech, and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. This is how the people of God are called to operate. We're called to operate in the midst of a harsh and difficult environment. And we're meant to do it with joy, peace, patience. Well, love, joy, peace, patience, and now kindness, and more to come. Pray for your enemies. How hard is that? That's really hard, praying for your enemies. But this is the call of God on our life, not to, not, and not to pray for their, their, their <laughs> you know, not to pray that, that God would smote them. Pray for their well-being. Pray that they might be 
blessed, praying even for our enemies, that God might change our hearts. Why is this, church? This is because the church is meant to know that we do not do battle against flesh and blood. It's never people you're fighting against, ever. It's against the authorities, the principles. It's about the reality of evil in this world. It's about the darkness that's all around. It's about the deception of the world that people are under. And we are to always recognize and always know that we are never fighting against people. It's a radical kindness. Exodus 23, 4 and 5, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You shall rescue it with him. What does that mean? That means it's inconvenient. That, that means that even when you're going your way and you see your enemy's donkey and it's running down the road, you don't go, oh, He's never going to catch it. Or he's never going to get him down. Look at that. Serves him right. He's got what he got coming to him. No. It's different than that. And it's not this kind of thing either. Well, like, well, I would have, except, man, I was busy and I was running a little bit behind. I sure would have caught his dunk. No. It says, do it. Stop. Do something that is so radically different from what the world would do. Stop what you're doing. Allow yourself to be inconvenienced. Serve God. Serve your enemy with kindness. Don't just let it go down. Don't just smirk off. And I mean, deep down inside, a lot of times we, you know, we're like, yes. <laughs> but that's our flesh. That's our flesh. When, when, when you're in that situation, when I'm in that situation, and we're all in, and, and we're like, yes, his donkey's running off. Yes, that's your flesh. That is not the Spirit of God at work in us. The Spirit of God would cause us to stop, be inconvenienced, and help out. Ephesians 4, 29, 32. Let no corrupt talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as is for fitting as fits the occasion, that it might give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now this is for within the church. Be kind to one another within the church. Bear with one another. Forgive one another. How? As Christ forgave you. What did Christ forgive you of? Everything. Peter thought he was a really big deal when he said that when he came back and, and, and Jesus, he asked him about how many times he should forgive his brother and he said seven. See, because that was double what, what three times was like considered was the, the Old Testament or the, the teaching by some rabbis. Three times was good enough. He was like, how about if I did it double plus one, Jesus? What do you think about that? Forgive them seven times? And Jesus is like, yeah, times 70. Seven times 70. Just keep going, right? You keep forgiving. Why? Because God forgave you. And here's the other little caveat to that. You don't need to carry the burden of it. You really don't. If you're carrying unforgiveness and, and resentment and anger 
in your life, you're, you're chained to events in the past that, that are leaving you unable to move forward in. The way out is forgiveness. It's letting go of that. And forgiveness, let's just clarify, doesn't mean that what we did, what somebody did was okay or that we think it was okay or not a big deal now or we've come to really realize, no, it, it was an offense and it hurt you and it cost you something, but you're choosing to let go of that. You're choosing to be like God and exercise forgiveness in your relationship. So within the church, sometimes the saints are pretty hard on each other, much harder than we are on the world a lot of times, actually. And, and don't get me wrong, this is a place where, where accountability is, is a reality, but how we do that, how we do that is meant to be in kindness. Do you have margins for kindness in your life? You know, when, when, when a landowner went and went to cut their, their, uh, their fields, they, they weren't to go into the corners, and if they, for whatever reason, missed something, they were supposed to leave it. And, and that allowed an opportunity for others to come in. It was God's welfare system. And those who were in need would come in and they would work and they would earn and they would glean. They would go and they would, they would clear out the corners. Because there's a dignity in working and earning and God knows that. And so, so, so this was God's system. But you see, the landowner, if he, he wasn't supposed to cut up into every corner. He wasn't supposed to just go up. He was supposed to leave margin for somebody else. Now in your schedule, is there margins in your schedule for you to be kind to other people? See, because if you're racing from thing to thing to thing to thing, you're, not gonna, you're probably not going to stop and help your, don the, your neighbor's donkey. You're probably not even going to be patient or kind with other people. We need to be leaving some margins in our day and in our schedule for the Holy Spirit to work and to bring into whatever He's got into our lives. We really need to leave margins in our life and in our schedule for kindness. We need to be kind in our relationships. And let me just say this. If you haven't been treated kindly in relationships, if somebody... Has, has treated you and been mean and unkind to you, I, I just want to say that's a hard burden. I'm so, I'm so sorry that, that that's a reality in your life because that's really hard when we've, when we've had, especially people who are supposed to love us and supposed to support us and encourage us and, and they've, they've hurt us by being, maybe they're just a mean person, then, and I just want to say I'm, I'm sorry and, and, and God's, his, his, restoration and his healing is, is there and, and is available to you, you know? Be a, be a generational breaker of, of some of these things and, 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 and seek out some help in that and some, some healing in that so, that so that we're not passing that on. If, and if that's, if that's you, I, I, I can tell you that part of my testimony was when God revealed to me the reality of how hard-hearted I was getting, how mean I actually was. How, how what a lack of kindness that there was in my life that God showed me. He literally showed me how I had went from being a young boy who was very soft and tenderhearted and kind into a man who was hard-hearted and mean on a lot of levels. And, and, and God can change you. And if that's you here today, if, if, if you're just not a kind person or if you're treating someone in your family, you're not treating your family kindly or in a, in a good way, I, I want to tell you that Jesus, the gospel is the answer. 
It's, it's to come into relationship to him because it, the, his word says that, that he will take that stony heart that we have and he'll take it out and he'll replace it with a heart of flesh. And the word there is bara, it means out of nothing. That he will give us a new heart completely out of nothing that we've done or who we are, but he will it, it just... He will give us a brand new heart, a new, be a new creation, a new beginning, a new start. The Holy Spirit begin to live inside of you. And so, so if you've never done that, then that's your first step into kindness is, is to be in relationship to Jesus, to be in relationship and to hear the Holy Spirit and to allow him to actively be working in your life and, and changing us. The gospel is the answer, and, and you can turn to Jesus at any time and just admit your sin, ask for his forgiveness, and commit to follow him as a follower of Jesus, and he'll do the rest. He'll change your life, and, and, and none of us are doing this kindness thing just right. None of us are doing it perfect. None of us are always kind all of the time, but hopefully we're allowing the Holy Spirit to work these things. If you're not really kind and you're struggling, I want to give you three things to, to think about and to maybe practice. And I promise you, if you really practice them, they'll make you a kinder person. The first one is just don't be negative. Refuse to be negative. Refuse to just look at all of the wrong around you. Refuse to, and, and start to take note, and you might be surprised at how often we're negative about the things that are going on around us. And, and, and we, just, we just make a, a pact to say, I'm just not going to be negative. You know, if you've got nothing nice to say, then do like mom said, don't say anything. So don't be negative. Don't tear things down around you. And, and, and when you are negative and you catch yourself being negative, ask the Holy Spirit to change you. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you things to meditate on and to think about that are good and beautiful and all of the things that, that we really are told to look at. I can, there's a whole list of them. Uh, and and, and to, to begin to practice that, but to begin to refuse to just be negative. Find to praise. Praise the people around you in the situations. Don't withhold that. Tell people you're proud of them. Tell people you're thankful for them. Tell people that you think they're awesome at something or that they do something really well. Find things to praise about, about the world around you. Look at your situation and be grateful for the things that are around. Be grateful for the hard things. Be grateful for the difficult things, knowing that God is at work. He's changing us and he's creating something new in us, that he's conforming us to the image of Christ and do acts of generosity, do love. Do kindness. Practice it. Even if you don't feel like it, do it anyway. And the feelings, because see, let me tell you, if you're struggling already and you're waiting for the feelings before you're going to be kind, you're just not going to be kind. Do kindness and the feelings of love and kindness will begin to catch up with that. They'll begin to show up. They really will. Don't be negative. Find things to praise. Do acts of generosity. Practice those things, and I promise we will become a kinder people. You see, the kindness of God through the church can change the world. 
when the world is meeting us with anger and resentment and angst, if we, if we just begin to, to talk and have dialogue, one thing this world needs again is to, is to begin to have civil dialogue. We've lost our ability to have civil dialogue. On our end, Christians, as much as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. You can have the conversation, and we need to have the conversations. The conversations need to happen, but how they happen is everything. They need to happen in love and kindness, the truth tempered with love. The truth apart from love is cruel at times, but love apart from truth, it's no good. It's no good. The kindness of the church can begin to change the world. It's that kindness that sets us apart. It's that kindness that sets the world back on its heels. It's that kind of kindness that the world isn't expecting for us to meet them with. So let's just be kind. Let's allow the Spirit of God to work out the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Let's grow in this area of kindness. Let's allow God to do in us and through us what the kindness of God can do, which leads to repentance. It leads to change, right? God hasn't said, go out there and punch him in the nose and make him change. He said, go out there and kill him with kindness, right? All right, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your kindness, the kindness that, that, that gave us the opportunity to be here, to be in relationship to you, that despite who we are, despite how far we've fallen, despite how bad we've been and the things that we've done in our past that have been an offense to you, that you, you didn't let that get in the way. You didn't let that stop you, that your, your goodness and your kindness made a way for us. Your, your kindness led to judgment, and, and ultimately it led to the cross where you took the judgment that we deserve and that you then gave us the righteousness through grace that we did not deserve. So, Lord, we are grateful this day, and we just confess before you, Lord, that we're not always kind and that we don't certainly feel kind. And when we're being attacked by the world around us and we're being attacked for belief and for faith and for good things and we are living and existing in a world that's calling what's evil good and what is good evil, Lord, may our conversations be uh, just seasoned with your kindness. May we recognize and remember that we aren't fighting against flesh and blood and that, uh, that we are fighting against the darkness of this present age, against the deception, but you've called us to be light in the midst of this. You've called us to speak the truth in love. And Lord, you've called us to do it in kindness. So Lord, may we be so kind that the world just doesn't know what to do with us. It can't understand why we would be like that. It can't understand why we would be kind in the midst of the struggle and in the midst of the things. But Lord, you have called us to be a people who operate in a difficult environment. So Lord, we just pray you'd have your way in us. Lord, make, help us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit this day and lead us. And may we be pleasing to you in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>